0: account for over 50% of the world's total greenhouse gas emissions. Recognizing the urgent need for action to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius and fight climate change, governments in the region are increasingly committing to the ambitious target of net-zero carbon emissions by around mid-century. In this podcast, Asian Development Bank Climate Envoy Warren Evans explains benefits of climate change mitigation efforts to developing countries in Asia and the Pacific and discusses some solutions for achieving their carbon reduction commitments and provides a blueprint for long-term emissions cuts critical to climate change mitigation and resilience.
1: And many thanks for joining Asia's Developing Future. To start things off, what is the importance of climate change mitigation for developing countries in Asia and the Pacific?
0: The issue of mitigation of climate change in this region and across the globe is of absolute critical importance and urgent. The kinds of climate impacts that we've been seeing in this last couple of years are only going to increase in frequency and intensity over the coming years. The only way to address that in terms of reducing the frequency and intensity is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. It doesn't matter where it's emitted. It also doesn't matter where you reduce the emissions. The benefits for people, across the globe are all the same. But the impacts are very local. The impacts on vulnerable communities across Asia and Pacific are devastating in many cases. Most of the developing countries that we work with are not major emitters of greenhouse gas. But as I said, they're highly vulnerable and have low resilience to the impacts. There are a lot of other reasons why it's very sensible for them to accelerate and scale up their emission reduction programs.
1: What are the benefits of climate change mitigation efforts to developing countries in Asia and the Pacific?
0: In many cases, it's a matter of energy security. In some of the small island developing countries, which rely on imported diesel, imported bulk oil, it's much more sensible for them to have renewable energy than to rely on these imports. It's much more economic and financially viable for them. A number of the countries are in a situation of low food security and moving towards climate-smart agriculture, which sequesters carbon, and using nature-based approaches to reducing impacts of climate change for adaptation also often sequesters carbon. Both of these are good practices that will reduce the risks of food insecurity. And then finally, in the cities across Asia, whether they are major emitters of GHGs or not, by reducing the emissions from fossil fuel They'll improve the air quality and thereby the public health conditions in those cities. And as you know, many of the cities across Asia have very serious air quality problems. So reducing that air pollution has a major local benefit in addition to the global benefits of reducing greenhouse gas emissions.
1: What are the major challenges for strengthening climate change mitigation in the region?
0: One of the challenges that I think every government and every institution like the Asian Development Bank has is that we tend to work on a relatively short planning cycle, three years, whereas the kinds of of initiatives that are required to actually reduce greenhouse gas emissions at scale take a much longer time period and require a longer time horizon for planning. When I talk about long-term solutions, that doesn't mean to wait on anything. Even though there are uncertainties, we will learn lessons as we go. But we need to start now, but we need to be thinking long term. It's going to take 10 years, 15 years, 20 years to reach the scale of investments that are required to actually hit net zero.
1: Can you please give some examples of solutions for financing climate change mitigation and adaptation?
0: We also need to accelerate and scale up access to climate finance. This is going to take much more than the kinds of mechanisms that we have in place today for climate finance. ADB is working on IFCAP, Innovative Finance for Climate in Asia and Pacific, which will use a guarantee mechanism to leverage donor money, $1 in, $4 out, for investments in climate finance. These kind of initiatives need to be piloted. They need to be then refined and scaled up so that over the coming 20 years, there is access by investors for climate finance in climate solutions, then we need to initiate much more long-term strategic planning.
1: What can policymakers do to be more strategic to promote climate finance growth?
0: These are not five-year plans. These are 50-year plans. And we need to understand what the accompanying policy, regulatory, and institutional reforms are required at the country level to actually make those long-term strategies work. And then we need to have the capacity built at the country level so that they can implement the programs. And then finally, we need to be thinking longer term in terms of budgeting. These kinds of initiatives are going to require confirmed finance, available finance for the long haul, not for the short term. It's critical that we recognize that no country, no institution like ADB, no think tank, nobody can do this by themselves. We need much more effective partnerships. We need to bring the stakeholders together so that we have the kind of partnerships that have lasting power, that actually can be available to support the implementation of large-scale initiatives over a long period
1: of time. Could you please give an example of one policy instrument solution for reducing greenhouse gas emissions, especially in Asia and the Pacific? carbon
0: pricing and carbon trading or carbon tax are critically important for us to accelerate and scale up the investments needed in low-carbon development. Carbon pricing, emission trading systems, and baseline and crediting mechanism, these are all well-recognized as integral components of the broader climate policy architecture to support countries to enhance climate action. If designed well, carbon pricing instruments can incentivize reduction in the consumption of fossil fuels, making deployment of low-carbon technologies more attractive, generate revenue for green recovery and growth, support energy transition, and foster regional cooperation.
1: Implementing carbon pricing is not easy, especially for less developed economies in the region. How such challenges can be overcome?
0: There's a growing momentum to utilize carbon pricing instruments, not just globally, but also in developing Asia. ADB is providing support to developing member countries to actually trial new ways of developing and implementing and scaling up carbon finance, carbon markets at the national level. In addition with the finalization of the Paris Agreement rulebook, there's a growing momentum on operationalizing international carbon markets under Article 6 of the Paris Agreement. Cross-border carbon pricing mechanisms to address carbon leakage, such as through the European Union's carbon border adjustment mechanism, are also emerging. I believe that that will be instrumental in helping to make some of the new initiatives, such as the energy transition mechanism, which ADB is designing to be implemented in the next couple of years, that will make these kind of initiatives much more feasible and grow more rapidly, be more effective.
1: Where is the climate change mitigation work is going? Are there any particular next steps you would like to see or recommend?
0: If I'm looking at it from a practitioner point of view, from ADB's point of view, The key areas where we still see gaps in knowledge that is applicable to country-level risks and opportunities on climate change. What are the most important areas that we should be working on in terms of climate adaptation and resilience in the near term, the midterm, and the long term? How do you make decisions on whether you use a 10-year, 20-year, 30-year, 40-year planning horizon when you're investing in adaptation? These are very critical decisions because they have a big impact on the cost of actions. What are the greatest opportunities and what are the most logical and achievable and financially viable undertakings? That should be looked at first and then again in the midterm and the long term. So thinking through the country level risks and opportunities from a strategic planning level, I think is a critical need in, in most of the countries where we work.
1: This has been Asia's Developing Future brought to you by
0: the Asian Development Bank Institute. For more information about us, visit adbi.org.